Pastor Xavier Reese says, if you think second best is good enough, think again. Do you express your gratitude to Jesus as you sit at his feet? Or is it only when you are at church before people? If it's only when you come, then it's probably just to go through the motions. Do you take what is the best and give it to Jesus? Or is he constantly getting the leftovers? You know, God gave his best for us. God said, I'm going to give him my son. Do you think he's worth the best of your life? I hope so. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You know, based by the way we express ourselves, there really is no limit to what we hold close to our hearts. For example, who doesn't love Christmas or vacations or ice cream? There's those who love football, and some even love their car. But when it comes to expressing love in the truest meaning, Pastor Xavier takes us to a passage from the Gospel of John, that demonstrates three kinds of love that define terms simple and true. Here's our teacher presenting a study entitled Adoration at Its Best. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Have you ever been at a big dinner somewhere, whether it be friends or family members? And as the various people are there, and as the night moves on, you are able to notice the various kinds of love that are expressed for the person who invited them. Now you're able to do this in different ways. You're able to do this by the words you hear, by the actions you see, by the tone of voice that the things are said, and finally by facial expressions. <laughs> the scene is the supper at Bethany. Jesus has arrived, and Jesus is anointed here by Mary. And in this passage, we find three kinds of love that are given to us. We find love for Jesus in verses 1 through 3. Second, we find love for self in verses 4 through 8. And thirdly, we find love for sinners, verse 9 through 11. Let me read the passage, and we'll take one at a time. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spinkner, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Then Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Then a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, 
but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. The first kind of love that we see here is love for Jesus. We find this in verse 1 through 3. Notice first in verse 1 that the supper took place the last week of our Lord's ministry. And by the way, this chapter marks the close of the public ministry of Jesus. Chapter 13 begins the private ministry of Jesus to his disciples. Now think about it. Twelve chapters of public ministry. And the next chapters from 13 to 21 are one week. Kind of an incredible proportion that's given. And as you go through the Gospel of John, keep that in mind as you come to the material from chapter 13 on. The supper took place the last week of our Lord's ministry. John tells us it was six days before the Passover. Not that it took on that sixth day. Don't read into it. Examine it. People think there's a contradiction between this and the other Gospels. No. He says it was six days before the Passover. Not that the dinner or the supper took place. Matthew and Mark tells us that it was on the second day before the Passover that the supper took place. You find that in Matthew 26, 2 and Mark 14, 1 and 3. Once again, the first step to inductive Bible study is observation. You only observe and record what is in the text. Don't interpret it. Don't add to it. Just what's in the text. If the text says Johnny flew a kite, don't say Johnny wanted to fly a kite. Don't say Johnny flew a big kite. Don't say Johnny flew a yellow kite. It just says he flew a kite. That's all it says. Notice the Passover is the one in which Jesus will be put to death. Now, John gives us three Passovers. Some believe four. I'm not sure there's four. Uh, three for sure are called Passovers. The other one's a feast, and it probably isn't Passover, but you have scholars that divide. But he gives us a full range of, of, of the ministry of Jesus. It is on this third Passover that Jesus will become the Lamb of God, literally. He will die for the sins of the world. The day when Jesus arrived was most likely Friday evening before the Sabbath. Remember that the Sabbath began Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So he probably got there Friday, just before. And the supper took place on Saturday evening after the Sabbath. Now, notice also in verse 1 that the supper was at Bethany. Bethany was the destination of Jesus coming from Jericho where he had visited Zacchaeus. Remember Luke 18, 35 to 19, 10? Zacchaeus, come down. I have to have dinner with you tonight. <laughs> and he ministered unto him. Bethany was the place where Lazarus had been raised from the dead, chapter 11, verse 43. Bethany was a place from which Jesus had removed himself from the Jews because they sought to kill him, chapter 11, verse 53 and 54. Bethany was a place where the one whom he loved lived, chapter 11, verse 3. Bethany was a place of love. Bethany was a place of tragedy. Bethany was a place of sorrow. Bethany was a place of hospitality. Bethany was a place of danger. 
That's where Jesus was. Notice thirdly here in verse 2 that the supper was in honor of Jesus. The supper, without any doubt, was in gratitude of raising Lazarus from the dead in great appreciation. The sister of Lazarus, Martha, notice, served there in verse 2. Now you recall another time in Luke's gospel, Luke 10, where um, Jesus was there and Martha was cumbered about with much work and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and Martha from the kitchen says, Lord, don't you care that I'm running like a chicken with my head cut off while my sister's just sloughing off? That's Xavier's translation. <laughs> and Jesus says, you know, she has chosen the better part. She'll not be taken away from her. Now, Marthas are Marthas. They work. But you notice the difference now? Martha has learned her lesson. She's still serving, but now she's not complaining. Now she's not looking for attention. Oh, be also careful the gifts and talents that God has given to you, that you don't exercise them through your complaining, murmuring heart. I can't believe these guys. I've been here a year. They don't even acknowledge me. I don't even know what I'm doing. If I was gone, the boy, they'd really be in bad shape, and I can't believe them. That's what I'll do. I'll get out of here. <laughs> Who are you serving? You're serving Jesus or Xavier? You're serving Jesus or people? And why complain? She wanted acknowledgement and attention. Now she doesn't. If you've been serving for any length of time and nobody has acknowledged you, you are so lucky. Because great is your reward in heaven. But if you're looking for acknowledgement and pats on the back and for somebody to, you know, surprisingly one day walk out to your car in the parking lot and they're going to have a sticker on your bumper of your car, uh, best Christian of the month. Um, <laughs> It's not going to happen in this church. <laughs> She's serving, but man, now her service is so effective and so rewarding. Hmm. Some of us still have to learn the lesson that Martha learned. The man Lazarus, who had been brought back to life, sat at the place of honor with Jesus at the table. Quite a gathering, great time of rejoicing. But it was preceded by difficult, tragic, in times that were not understood. Learn that. What will come out of those times of sorrow, tragedy, and lack of understanding will be fellowship with Jesus. If you will take the time to sit at his table. So important. Notice fourthly in verse 3, the supper was interrupted by Mary. And Mary anointed the feet of Jesus. Now Matthew and Mark tells us that she anointed his head. So some people again see a conflict and a contradiction. Well, there's no contradiction. Of course, she began at his head and worked her way down to his feet. Even as such was the case in the Old Testament with the high priest. The oil was poured on Aaron's head down through his beard all the way down to his feet. 
You don't put it on the feet and it rises up to the head. It goes to the top down. <laughs> the amount was a pound or 12 ounces. Now, you ladies know that if you're going to go get a perfume that's expensive, 12 ounces is a lot of bucks. That's a lot of perfume and that's a lot of money. It's very precious ointment. The woman Mary was declaring that there was nothing too valuable that could be given to Jesus. That's a very simple, very clear act. Nothing is too valuable to give to Jesus. Too often, we aren't willing to give our wives, our children, our profession, whatever it may be, to Jesus. Often churches get phone calls and um, people say, well, you know, we were wondering if the church could use um, a couch. You see, we just bought some new ones and we figured you might be able to use a couch. The only thing is this couch is all shredded and one of the legs, you have to put wood underneath it and uh, the middle spring has broken through. And poor Jesus, he's like some person who is in poverty or he's uh, Sanford and son and we got to help him out. You know what I mean? What's wrong with the new couch? Now, we don't need a couch. Don't go buy a couch and give us one, okay? What I'm saying is, poor Jesus. You know, if it wasn't for us, he would be in bad shape, wouldn't he? We give him all our leftovers. Hmm. How horrible. Bad theology. <laughs> Mary wiped the feet of Jesus with her hair after anointing him. The hair of a woman is declared to be her glory, 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. The hair of a woman would never be let down in public. It would be a sign of immorality and loose living. Here you have Mary, who does not care about being politically correct, <laughs> and who could care less what people around her think, and who also is acting in the environment of those who love her and she feels they will understand her. And also, she places her glory of womanhood at the feet of Jesus in adoration and worship for who he is. Wow. What an incredible act. Not an act to get attention. Not an act for people to say, oh, isn't she spiritual? An act from the heart. An act that is totally devoted one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> Her and Jesus. No one else. Now notice that Mary affected the atmosphere of the home. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The act was to be the customary duty of the lowest of slaves as the guests arrived. You see, what Mary had just done, the guest uh, should have uh, received this by the slave. The lowest of slave would take every visitor as they came in, they would anoint their head with oil, give them a kiss, and wash their feet because they had sandals, dirt roads, 
Sometimes you stepped on stuff you weren't supposed to, and the slave had to clean everything. Now, if the master of the house had no slave, he would have to do these services. Mary, in effect, was saying that she was a servant of her Lord and Master. By her deed, she was revealing her attitude. And Jesus accepted it completely. Now, the anointing of Mary should not be confused with the one in Luke's gospel. Remember with the prostitute that came and washed the feet of Jesus with her tears and then wiped them with her hair? And Simeon there, the Pharisee, says, if this man were a man of God, he would know what manner of woman this is, and he had none to do with her. And Jesus says, Simon, I have someone to say to you. Say on, master. You know, there were two creditors, one owed a billion, the other one a penny. Um, the Lord forgave them both equally. Which one will love the most? Simon, real smug, said, Lord, the one who was forgiven most. He says, do you see this woman? Simon only saw a whore. He didn't see a forgiven woman. He says, she loves much because she has been forgiven much. Oh, don't confuse the two. One is different from the other. The house of Simon, the prostitute came. The event and message was forgiveness of sin and love being demonstrated. The event here is this of adoration and worship of Jesus in the house of Simon the leopard in appreciation for raising her brother. It's interesting, the high priest of the Old Testament, you know, as I said, he was anointed with oil from the head down, and it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, but he was also had to go through washing. He would wash his feet, his hands, and everything else. And then there was a sacrifice made, and they would take the blood and anoint his right ear to consecrate his ear to hear the voice of God. They would put blood on his right thumb to consecrate his hand to do the work of God. And they would put blood on his right big toe to consecrate his ways to walk with God. Here Jesus is being declared to be the fulfillment of all the types and shadows of the high priest of the Old Testament who was worthy to be anointed, to be worshiped, to be served. He has arrived. And love, love was being expressed, love for Jesus. Not for what he did, love for Jesus. Louis the Ninth of France, when he was young, he married the Princess Margaret of Provence. On his wedding ring was engraved the following God, France, Margaret. <laughs> Ladies, how would you feel if your husband engraved that on your ring? And he used to say, I have no love outside of that ring. This was the secret of being known to history as St. Louis. His priorities were right. 
God, friends, Margaret. Love for God at the head of the list. Do you break bread with Jesus regularly out of your love for him? It's to be a natural response. It's to be something that comes from you. Um, you find time to spend with your wife or your husband or the people you love because you love them. You want to express your love. Such should be the case with each of us regarding Jesus. Do you express your gratitude to Jesus as you sit at his feet? Or is it only when you are at church before people? If it's only when you come, then it's probably just mechanics. It's probably just to go through the motions. Hopefully it takes place in your own life. As you drive down the freeway, as you're at home, as you're sitting at your desk at work and God ministers to you, you realize the goodness and the greatness of God for you. Do people know that you do what you do and how you do it because you want to honor Jesus? Or is it because you want to honor yourself? Sooner or later, it will be revealed. Do you take what is the best and give it to Jesus, or is he constantly getting the leftovers? Do you think he's worth the best of your life? I hope so. You know, God, God gave his best for us. God didn't say, wow, you, man, those guys are dirty. I mean, send one of those demons that rebel against me. Crucify him. I may give one of my angels. I ain't giving my son for those guys. No, God said, I'm going to give him my son, my only son. He gave the best for us. And God never asks you to do anything less than he does, nor anything more than he. He sets the standard, and he lives out the standard. Do you think that there are some things that are too valuable or costly to give to him? Areas that you think he has no right to? Things that perhaps you've worked so hard for? Things that in your own mind you consider to be just everything you've lived for? Then you need to lift your heart to him. Do you love Jesus for having raised you spiritually from the dead to be able to live the life of Christ now? Have you ever thought about that? Have you shared your love with him just for the fact that you're sitting here clothed and sane? <laughs> that you're able to understand God's word? That you're able to experience life to the fullest? That you're able to love one another? That you're able to forgive? That you're able to live with hope? Do you know that's all related to the fact that he raised you up spiritually from the dead <laughs> and made you alive? Love for Jesus is for having raised us from our dead state and making us alive. It's a constant expression of our love. That's where it all begins. That's where it all comes from. Everything there. So love for Jesus is top on the list here. That's the source. 
That's the first step. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close the time we have for today, challenging us to examine our expression of love to the Lord, the one who deserves nothing but the best we have to give. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's in-depth study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is Adoration at Its Best. When you write to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And that title, once again, is Adoration at Its Best. And when you contact us, thanks for letting us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. That information is very valuable to us, and we appreciate your help very much. God expressed His love for the world by giving us His only Son, And next time, Pastor Xavier shows how God continues to express His love for sinners through us. That's on tomorrow's Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 